In this episode, we're speaking to Lisa Croster. Lisa is a certified financial planner, um, professional CFP, as well as a certified public accountant CPA. Lisa Croster is the director of wealth management of BPP Wealth Solutions, where she helps her clients better understand their financial picture so they can achieve their dreams. Having undergone divorce and raised three kids on her own, Lisa aims to help other women to find themselves in tough situations. Lisa's energies, unbridled determination and communication gives her clients the confidence they need to succeed and empowers them to make great financial decisions. She enjoys guiding her clients through the confusion of complex financial jargon and and bringing clarity the financial realms of her clients. Lisa spent her early years in Ernest & Young and then after raising her children returned to the financial industry. Prior to joining BPP, Lisa led the financial planning department of both Henning and Walsh and Mass Mutual Tri-State. Lisa has her series 7 and 666 and 24 security licenses and has done phenomenally well for her life. Let's speak to Lisa and find out how she changed her life by changing her mindset. Let's find out. And remember, if you want to upgrade your money mindset, then click on the link www.millionairefoundations.com and watch my free training. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession, or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Girl Khan, your money mindset expert. And today I'm so excited. We're speaking to the amazing, the lovely Lisa Croster. Welcome, Lisa. Hello, how are you? Great to be I, here. I'm so excited to be speaking to Lisa. Lisa, everyone's heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are. But please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do. Okay. So I always say first, I'm a financial planner. A lot of people say investment advisor, money manager, all these other terms. But I say financial planner on purpose because that's the bulk and the meat. And I think the fun part of what we do, where we really, really dig into people's lives. It's not just how big's the bucket? How's the bucket going to change? It's it's all the questions about how you're living your life to get to where you want to be. Um, and what, you, what you're doing year after year and month after month, is it helping you get there? Or is it bringing you backwards? Um, and where where there is, it's so incredibly different for everyone. I mean, it's not about, I guess for a few people, it's about getting as big as a bucket as possible. But for many, many people, it's how can I use what I've earned, what I've worked hard for to get what I want in life? Um, you know, whether that be leaving work early, whether that be buying a second home, whether it be, you know, paying for seven grandkids to go to college. It's, it's so, so individual. But we help you get down to the kind of the minutiae in the beginning to see if you're on track to do these things that you want to do and hope that you can do. Awesome. Fantastic. So give guests, talk us through your journey. So how did you end up being a financial planner and how did you get into the financial financial industry, which is, I just want to interject here. It's it's nice to see there's more and more females getting into it over the last decade or so. But I, I remember when I was, I mean, when I was in the corporate career and the banking finance sector, I was, I would be the only girl there. And brown yeah. to boot, right? It's a brown girl to boot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was 
but be it I was in a very junior position so you know in my early days but still it was very it was you females in the finance sector is few and far to be, uh, between but I think over the years more and more have come to the surface and more and more you know come to light but what was your experience of coming into this industry and how did you yeah. get here so when I was in college I was a business major and I had this thing against going into corporate America and maybe it was the decade that it was, there was a lot of, <laughs> a lot of movies about greed and money and mm. working 80 hours a week. And I was like, huh, I, I, I love doing finance stuff. I like numbers. I'm comfortable with it, but how can I do it for individuals rather than for big corporations? I had mm. this idea. So when I first left college, I actually decided to work on Capitol Hill first, just to see how politics worked. Um, it didn't take me too long to realize I didn't want to do that for a living, but it was really a fun experience. And then I went back to business school and I thought, well, how can I get, what, what can I do to get myself working for people rather than big companies? So I decided to get my CPA. Mm-hmm. So I went back to school and took the classes I needed um, to t- sit for my accounting degree. Did that you know, pretty quickly. It was a four, four semesters back to back and did that program. And then of course, all the big accounting firms come to hire. And I'm like, wait, shoot, I, I didn't want to do this big thing. But, you know, when you get five or six job offers, accountants get hired, you take them. So I took a job at Ernst & Young, and um, but I wanted to be in the, asked to be in the tax department because, again, I thought, well, maybe I can get to working with individuals as a CPA. So I started in the tax department, worked there for a few years, and then I moved up to what was called the Personal Financial Planning Department, PFP, they called it. And they had just hired a woman who they had brought in who was great to work for. And so I started doing personal financial planning, you know, back then where... It, it was really kind of the start of the profession, it, not the first years, but it was early on. Um, the designations were new, mm. but I liked it. We had, instead of working with the big corporations and auditing their books, we were working with the CEOs and the presidents helping on their finances. And I remember these giant Excel cash flow sheets we would do, and then we would work on their investments. Um, so I spent a good amount of time doing that. I, I ended up being there, I think it was seven years. And then I started having kids. And I left uh, sooner than I would have thought, but I, my, my younger daughter was sick. So I left sooner and then I ended up leaving for about nine years or so. Mm. And I think you did a similar thing. You were out of the workforce for a while yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So I left and I ended up having three kids and I was home with them and I, you know, it was great. I did a lot of little side gigs. I did a lot of volunteer stuff for the school and I was always the one that was the treasurer or the, you know, doing all that. I would always pick that piece of the job to run the events, but it was fun. It was a great time. Um, Then I got divorced and I had been dabbling in little bits of work, but I knew that wasn't going to be able to sustain me. No, no. So the first year I was divorced, I, I, a woman hired me just, it was a great female helping story. You know, a woman who needed somebody to, she knew I was getting divorced. She knew she needed a job. She wanted somebody to help her run her business and so I worked for her for about 18 months. It was a recruiting job, nothing to do with my skill set, but it was a good way to get started back in. And then I started looking at what can I do to um, get back into finance and, and the field that I had. The CPA helped me get into the field. Um, but I, I do like to tell the story. I went to start looking you know, at jobs. I kept seeing all these jobs that wanted certifications that I didn't have. And the job I applied for, they wanted you to have your certified financial planner license, your life and health insurance license, and your series seven, um, which is a securities license. I didn't have a single one of them, but I had my CPA. So I applied, I interviewed, I hit it off with the owners of the company um, and they ended up hiring me and they said, you know, you seem hungry, you needed to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, yeah, I'll get all those things you need me to get. So within a year, I think I had everything within the year except the CFP. And then I had mm-hmm. the CFP about six months later. So I 
um, you know, started at a really terrible salary, but got all my license and every time just kept asking for more money and more money. And I kept getting more responsibility. And it just, I you know, was the financial planner for all the advisors at this firm. And so it was a great way to step back in. Mm. Um, it was also a pretty great place for family life balance. I was able to go to my kids' games and um, come home. It was close to home. I chose not to work in New York City. I, I live in New Jersey. I swear a lot of people go to make more money, but I didn't want to do that commute. I just, I would never be home in time for my kids or yeah. anything. So I took a local job, but it worked out great. The experience was great. Again, they, you know, they compensated me as I got more licenses and got more responsibility. And I stayed there for six years. I just forget how quickly the years go by um, <laughs> and decided that I wanted to have a little more ownership with my clients and have clients that I spoke with as opposed to other people's kind of clients mm -hmm. and hopefully get into something that maybe I could have ownership in. So I made a switch three years ago to where I am now to a smaller, actually all female run um, registered investment advisor is what we call ourselves, the, the type of firm it is. And we do primarily financial planning and we do investments, we do insurance, we help clients through all aspects of their planning. Um, you know, we're like the financial overseer of everything that they do. Um, but it's great. I'm working one on one with clients, which way back when I went to get my MBA, you know, was my goal. And it's, it's a lot of relationship when clients start talking about money. There's a lot of stuff they talk about. Yeah. It's very, very personal. Very personal. I mean, money is something that brings up a lot of emotions. And that's why I talk about how you need to have a very healthy relationship with money. Yeah. It can it can make or break you. Your relationship with money would either make or break you. And actually it makes or breaks relationships too. Um, yeah. it, it, that's why it's the blame for, you know, f family fighting, feuds, other family right. feuds, you know, relationship breakdown, divorces and so forth. And I think poor money gets the blame where it's actually your relationship with money, which is messed up and <laughs> your emotions that you put on them. So let's... Um, Let's come back to yours. I mean, you've brushed aside a lot of things that this just happened. I know because I went through something similar when you when you have when you have kids at home, and yeah. you've you've taken the decision of actually okay, I'm going to take a break. And not many people understand this when an ambitious woman takes break from her career to have a child to focus on it. It's not because she wants to be lazy or whatever. It's and actually working from home and working on kids is a lot harder. I promise you, those who don't know who've never done this. And females who have would appreciate it. It's a lot harder changing those flipping nappies and the nappies and making sure everything's on okay and the food planning and the thing and picking this one up and doing this and do you know all those you know mommy things. Those mommy chores are a lot more stressful than any corporate career. And my example, because anyway, I've, I've been in the corporate world and I found that a lot more stressful compared to you know doing the eighty hours in 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 the work. It was just you know somebody else's thing. It wasn't the emotions weren't involved. So. If a woman takes a break, it's because of a dedication to her children. So let's let's just accept that first. But yeah. when she's forced back into the workforce, there's a lot of emotion that goes um, that goes hand in hand with that. Now, how did you deal with that? Now, I remember in my case, I chose not to go back to the corporate world. I chose not to go into employment. I thought, okay, I have all the skill set, and I have none of my skill. But like you said, you dabbled in a lot of things. You do because you want to keep your mind occupied. None of the things I did worked, by the way, for me. Nothing worked ever, you know. I tried so many things, and I was I didn't make zero. I didn't make anything. I remember this one time I made a hundred dollars, and I was like, I was jumping for joy, like oh, make hundred dollars. Um, so with that mind, I took a gamble, and it paid off oh, hundredfold. It paid a dividends upon dividends on where I am at the moment. Right. How did you come to that decision? How how easy or difficult was it for you to go back into employment and leave the kids at home? Yeah, I. I was ready. It, it had been almost 10 years. And to be okay. honest, 
I didn't want to, I didn't want to be broke and I didn't want to be relying on my ex. Mm. And I did not, I wanted to control my fate. And I felt like if I sat at home and just waited to collect, if I was going to get, you know, child support and alimony, I just, it was too, it was too uncertain. And I had no interest in living. I wanted to be in charge of my life. And I had women, I had a couple of women say to me when I was getting divorced, I remember, oh, don't go back to work. You're going to get less money. I'm like, oh God, I do not want to plan my future on somebody no. else giving me money. I, it was, it wasn't, I thought that was the worst advice anybody could have ever given me. 100%. And I wanted to be in charge of my destiny financially. I also, by this point, so my daughter was, it was going into ninth grade. My boys were in elementary school. I couldn't, I, I, the first year I was divorced, I stayed at home and I picked them up every day after school. And I'd say that's the thing that I missed the most um, was picking them up after school. But I felt like, I don't want to say I didn't have a choice because I think it was the right decision. It had to be, we wanted to be financially stable you know, pay for the kids to go to get the kids to college. And everything. I had to work and they understood it. And I felt like I'd been home for a good amount of time and I'd spent mm. a lot of time with them. So I didn't really feel terribly guilty. And like I said, I did have, I worked with so many men in finance that coached their kids and went to games that the, the, the thing at work was the, I don't want to say the rule because it wasn't written down, but the policy at work was your kid has a game leave. So I would leave for the four o'clock football games and the four o'clock lacrosse games. And it was just the way it was. So it, it gave me a lot of flexibility. I could run home. It was about 17 minutes if I wasn't speeding too fast to get home and back. So there were times where I ran home at lunch. I never missed a conference. I never missed a back to school night um, because they weren't my clients per se. I didn't do after work client dinners. I didn't do any of that. Hmm. It was such a good spot. And I didn't know that when I went to it, but it's such a good spot to be able to keep raising the kids. So um, I felt like I was still around a lot. You know, that was home every night, every single night. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. Wonderful. I think yeah. I think you need to have some sort of balance, and I agree with that. I mean, I didn't get the option of my um, my ex providing for us, even though I had a court order saying he needs to pay both kids school fees and um, a small fifteen hundred pounds, which wasn't much at all to me as you know, as maintenance. I was just happy if he just carried on paying the tuition fees, which wouldn't happen. So that didn't happen, and he he literally wasn't going to go down that path at all. And I I, I knew that. I did. He, I. It's not even that I had an option of relying on him for even a penny. He just was so unreliable, and he still to this point is. So I did, but I, I remember I didn't have that. I didn't feel. I didn't feel like I had that. And any any skills that could be done locally, I had to go back into the city, into London, and that's yeah. why my thoughts were 80, 90 hours. That I can't do that with the kids. So, but right. it looks like both ways it paid off because the kids were a priority. You didn't go into New York. You found something locally. I didn't yeah. go. I didn't go into city at all. I just opened my business. But both ended up being in, in a similar situations because the kids came first. Yeah. But you still had ambition, and this is what something I think if anybody listening can 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 take away from it. You don't have to have one or the other. Yes, when the kids are a bit little, you have to give them time because they're busy feeding and diapers and everything. That's a different story. <laughs> when they are a little bit older and they go starts going to school, you can have a balance where you can prioritize your kids but you can have the additional support required while you have a career, while you focus on your on your business or your career or your work. And it's not one or the other, but it is a hard balance. And and I feel I think 
a lot of women feel that they can choose one or the other, or they don't just do enough justice to either. Right. Right. And and it's not, you know, yeah, I, I guess if you took a job at, you know, the, the biggest bank in New York city, you, you'd be tr- doing a trade-off, but there's a lot of ways to do both. The, mm-hmm. the other thing I, I think my kids learned from when I was doing it is I was taking all those tests mm-hmm. um, and they were, <laughs> they were funny. Like I would sit at lacrosse games. I'd be studying on the sidelines. And um, I, I think what they learned, what they picked up from watching me wake take those tests and the diligence to do it really taught them work ethic because they, they, I kept caught little phrases. They said, my dad said to me once, your sons say you can do anything. Like they were so cute because they saw me working. I was with them. I was studying. And I think it taught them a lot about putting your head down and doing what you got to do. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I, I I love what you said that because I think my kids have seen me do that. And as I've grown as an entrepreneur and I have multiple businesses now, my my recent um you know my recent acquisition my son came up and I, I it was the most unexpected thing for this twelve year old to come and just he gave me a hug and said to me I'm so proud of mommy you you know your mom you know mommy or mommy I can't remember the word but the idea was I'm so proud of you mom you know that you've done you know you've done amazingly well just it just it was a hug and that one word that sentence right. rather and it made my year and I'm still talking about it in a, you know two months down the line but it was wonderful because they saw how hard I worked and they see how hard I work in the moment and they see me traveling and I'm doing you know lots of commute now because two days a week and other things and you know managing everything but that teaches them that you can do anything and they've seen how mom went from literally nothing when you know when she divorced her dad their dad to where I am now multi self-figure owner with multiple companies it's it's not take it's taken me literally seven years to get from that point a to point b but the work that's gone with it has been the biggest teaching factor for my children which is like I said work ethic you yeah. can do anything. And this, when I talk, tell them that you can do anything, I'm talking from experience. I'm literally telling them you can do anything, anything you can dream, you can ha- make it happen. But I think, I think a lot of parents would like to give that verbally to their children, but don't show it through actions. Whereas you and I have both shown it through actions. I think this will actually reinforce it for a lifetime that it becomes a no. Yeah, you can do anything. As you, yeah, of course, you have to put work into it, but you can do anything. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if this is why this happened, but I, I was not, we used to have portals and I think, I don't know if you have it in the UK, but here there's all these portals that the kids grades and tests and homework are all on. Mm. I never in high school, I never signed on to these things. Mm. I remember when COVID hit and I had to do something, I had to find the password and dig it out. I knew parents that were signing on to their kids assignments day after day. And did you get this? Did you get this done? And I don't know if it was a factor, started with a factor that I didn't have time to log on to their portals for their Mm. work and do it nor was I really that interested that I wasn't raised that way. So I didn't do it, but I just think I didn't even have the time if maybe I wanted to. So I would be like, do you guys get your work done? Yep. Our work's done. And they had good grades, but I wasn't signing on and following and checking. Oh, look, you got a 70 on this. You better get, I just, and I think that does a real disservice to the kids. We all had our jobs to do. And I, I don't know. I just think it, I was a little bit lucky. I think that the kids were hard workers, but I also think it was, they just saw, you just got to do what you do. Yeah. You know, no one's going to chase you. And I, I so hear you this. I mean, at the moment, I really haven't got the time to look, you know, see you know, how much work, how, what's homework being sent, has it been done. I ask, you done the homework? Yeah. If he doesn't do the homework, you know, we we get reports here. So if he, my, my son or my daughter, well, uh, daughter's older now, but my son, if they, he, the homework hasn't been sent, I'll be, I'll get an email home. Simple as that. So I know, I'll, you know, that's it. I don't have to check. It's done. The quality, I leave it up to him. Like, okay, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't get the grades, we'll have, we'll have a talk at the end of the, you know, at the end of the term and so forth. But generally, 
that responsibility needs to be given to the kids. They should be taking care of their schooling, their um, their in the, the uniform, the pee kits and everything else. I, I ask every now and again, have you taken this this morning? I knew he hadn't taken something. I'm like, did you forget it? Yes, yes. And then I had, but because I was working from home, I was able to drop it. But generally, I don't have to worry about whether he's taken his PK, his cricket care, his this and that, whatever, because he is responsible. And I've made him like that. And, and so my daughter, I think it's really exhausting when parents have to do, all, you know, picking up after kids and have you done the work and da da da. That is the whole concept sounds, sounds really exhausting to me because, you know, but how are they going to survive later if you're doing it now? I just don't, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. If you're doing yeah. it for a kid in high school, how are they going to do it in college? I get it. Sixth, seventh grade, you're sort of teaching them, but yeah. At the age of my son's 12 and my daughter's 16 now. Yeah. So by, my daughter, I don't, I, I, as long as she's working, I don't, you know, it's fine. Right. Um, <laughs> whereas my son, I don't even ask. I just, he's, it's just, I assume that it's getting done. I assume the homework is being done. I assume everything is in, on, on track. And that assumption is usually correct. <laughs> so uh, I think it's, but then again, because I think that's a, that's a great learning thing for them because growing up, I don't remember my mom ever asking me, have I done homework? Have I done this? Whatever. It was my responsibility. So I took it. Right. Right. Why? I think they're saying... Oh, no, go ahead. I'm thinking this day and age, we, I think we mollycoddle the kids too much and we take yeah. too much of the responsibility away from them, whereas we should yeah. be giving it to them. Yeah. Well, I, I chuckled when you said something about you dropping something off at school. My my daughter was older, as I said, and she would forget things more than the boys did. And I can't tell me times when I wasn't working that first year, I was dropping things off at the high school. But by the time my kids got to the high school, I wasn't dropping anything off because I wasn't home to do it. You yeah. forgot it. You forgot it. And they played sports. And, you know, you show up for sport with a missing thing. Yeah. You miss the practice and then you miss the game. So that did not happen. And, and that, so there was, you know, there, there was no back. There was no stopgap. They had to remember it all. So I, I like that. <laughs> so. So, I mean, I, I think I love that. I think the 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 one thing I'm taking away from from this conversation with you is everything that happened, it happened for a reason in your life. And, it, and you took the challenge head on. And he made it work for you. You learned from the process. And actually, instead of feeling guilty and so forth, like, oh, I'm missing my kids are missing out, you allowed them to, as I, that's how I see it, you allowed them to see you do the work and take a learning uh, learning from them and learn the um, elements of work ethic and hard work and perseverance and determination, um, things that you cannot teach in school. It's just something that those are soft skill sets that somebody acquires by observing someone, the value of someone they, they, you know, they hold in high esteem. And that's where parents need to help, help you know, showcase those, that, those things to your children without verbalizing. You can't teach child this. Yeah. You have to show them actions. through your actions and character. Yeah. I think this is what um, what you've done very successfully, and I'm so happy for you. And as I'm talking to you, I realize that those are things that I've done. I don't think of them intentional again. <laughs> it just right. ends up being. It just ends up doing. You end up doing. That's how life is. But yeah, those are the skills they're picking up. Yeah. Even if, and if, I'm not disparaging. You know moms that don't work and and oh but, no 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 yeah, it's hard like, work that's hard work that's hard work 100%, but there's some really silver linings of things yeah. that I think happened by working and I like I said I was ready to do it I think it was the right thing my kids understood it and I had certain things that I did like I, I tried to make dinner a lot and that was my big thing it's like if I'm not going to be here after school we're going to have dinner together and that was important to me you know so that that I did try to do 
but yeah, it worked. It worked out. It was. It was good. And I, think I think we have a lot of common ground because I try to do that myself. So I, I cook for two days. I, co- I cook usually. I cook for two days. We've made dinner. It will be. We'll have dinner for tomorrow. Tomorrow as well. And um, before right. I used to cook um, probably more frequently now, not less frequently. But then that's one thing that we try to. We, we need to have dinner together at least four or five yep. times a night. Maybe yep. a couple of times when I'm when I come back, I'm so exhausted I'll not hardly eat. That's that's just in those two days. Five days, you know, we eat together, and and I and I normally cook, and I think that's that's that keeps the family unit together. I think that's very yeah. important. Yeah, but so- my kids are funny. They used sometimes they'd call me because my youngest in particular, very considerate, and he'd be like, "Mom, are you cooking dinner tonight?" Because he wanted to do something or something was going on, and if it was a Friday, I was like, "No, I don't cook on Fridays." He's like, "Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I remember." <laughs> so, but anyway, he was cute. He'd always ask. Oh, bless. So let's wrap this up and say, what's your biggest learning or takeaway from you, you say, from your experience of, you know, having a career, having a break and then going back into career and as a, as a, as a working parent, a single parent as well, um, we'll say single parent rather than single mother, because there's plenty of dads out there now who are single parents. So let's say single parent, what advice would you have for someone who is thinking of returning to work, but is afraid or is at work and feels guilty? Yeah. Well, for one, I would say, you know, take a job that you want that maybe has growth potential. Cause I took a job I wanted with a terrible pay, mm. but I was able to triple that very quickly because of, you know, what you could do. So having a place that you, it's what you want to do, but has growth potential is amazing because one of the things I think that also came through when I worked, which didn't come up in our whole conversation is that I enjoyed what I did. Mm. And my kids knew that I didn't go to work begrudgingly. I didn't go to work miserable. And I, I remember my kids saying to me, well, you like what you do, mom. Like it just was a matter of fact. And so it just came through. Mm. And so it wasn't miserable. I was happy about it. So you've got to find something that you're happy with. Yeah. Because if you're miserable, it kind of, everything that we talked about goes backwards. It's it's not not worth it. The kids don't see the benefit of it. You don't have a work ethic because you're complaining. You know, I enjoyed it and it kind of ties everything together. So you got to find something that you like. And if it doesn't yet, figure out a way you know, to, to get more money through it. I or think maybe it's a stepping stone to something else. I hundred, I hundred percent agree because I think there are times, and I think I've just taken it for granted because that's probably what I do. You're, what you're naturally good at is going to, you're going to have talents, which are not where you to find something really, really easy. So your, your natural talents will <laughs> lean you towards a particular profession right. and, and, and you would do it without even thinking about it. And then you enjoy it. I mean, yeah. I've got, I, I know that in my, my primary goal is I'm, I'm an introvert and an extrovert. So introvert, since I like my own time and I have to have space even for my kids, I need to have just my alone time. Not even my cats are allowed. I just, yeah, I'm very much an introvert then. <laughs> but there, but I am a very much a people person. I like talking to people. I like conversing. I liked, you know, finding out, you know, you have a problem. How can you find a solution for it? That's my general persona in terms of who I am. And like right. healing people. And in, and I find that even in my, in my, in my, my mother companies, Yes, I'm the CEO, but what I've taken is given people other roles and I enjoy the, the marketing side, the talking side, the finding the solution side. So things I enjoy doing, I do it, I do it across the board, across all my companies, because that's who I am. I like numbers, so I work with the financial planners, whatever, or, or the or a management accountant. Those things I'm happy doing and I enjoy. So that's I and I think that's why 
yeah, I think I take it for granted that you know, you if you are going to do something and you you're going to take time away from your children and do something, do something you enjoy that yeah. you're happy about because you don't want to come home and complain to your kids that or your family that I'm I hate what I do and I'm just right. doing it for the mistake of money because then you're giving me negative, um, you know, <laughs> negative and a whole uh, different set of uh, yeah. values you're teaching there. Yeah, and you have you you definitely will have negative relationship with money because you're doing this job just for for money. Right. Okay. So on that note, we're going to wrap up. Lisa, tell us, uh, where can we find you? Where, how can you connect with you on the internet? So, I mean, the social media, LinkedIn is the easiest place. So LinkedIn, it would be my name, you know, Lisa Crosta. Um, the company's website is BPP. It does, it's hard to hear, but it stands for Build, Protect, Preserve. So that's BPP Wealth is our company website. Um, and those are the two best places. Wonderful. Now, if you are listening to us on the podcast, the links that Lisa just mentioned will be in the show notes. And if you're watching the new tour down below in the description section, we'll have a links to go check her out and see how she can help you. There's just one question I forgot to ask you. Do you help people um, outside US too, or is it just US? Pretty much just US. The laws get a, a lot different. Um, we have some international clients that live in the US and are not US citizens. Absolutely. But outside the laws are a lot, are a lot different. So if you're in the US listening to us, and we do have quite a few of those, then do check out Lisa and see how she can help you. Well, on that note, let's let's wrap up. Thank you so much for being a guest today, Lisa. We'll have to hurry back on Money Talkies, but today, thank you so much for a fascinating conversation. Thanks, girl. And thank you for listening to me, Lisa, today. Rumble on about family life and kids and how to get back on the track with work life. Um, I will be back with another amazing guest finding out how they change their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.